Zimbabwe and welcome to Live Talk Women's Roundtable where we discuss issues affecting women. We are coming to you live from Studio 7 at The Voice of America in Washington and I'm your host, Marvelous Mplanga Nyahuye. Today on a Live Talk Women's Roundtable, we're discussing the work some female Zimbabwean entrepreneurs are doing to help empower others in their communities at home and worldwide. But first, let's take a look at what is happening in the country regarding crime. Zimbabwean authorities say they are worried about rising crime, especially armed robbers whose enforcement has led to law enforcement officers firing at and killing suspects. Columbus Mavunga reports from Harare, where analysts say Zimbabwe's crime rate is increasing because poverty has left people in desperate conditions. Peter Apaure says he has seen conmen operating in his Harare Zimbabwe neighborhood, pulling underhand deals and selling goods that turn out not to exist. But that's not all he says. The crime rate is increasing. Murder cases are rising. So I am pleading with the police to work hard so that citizens are afraid to commit an offense. Police should be respected and must enforce laws diligently, as it now seems that we are in a lawless country with people murdering others freely. According to official figures, Zimbabwe's national crime rate in the third quarter of 2023 stood at 1,202 per 100,000 people, up slightly from the second quarter. The government reported 1,098 criminal acts leading to death or intending to cause death in that same period compared to 958 in the third quarter of 2022. Recently, Zimbabwe's police force has expressed concern about a rise in armed robbery, some involving current or former members of the state security. In some cases, police killed suspects in shootouts or when suspects tried to flee. Albert Nguluwe, who heads Parliament's Committee for Defence, Home Affairs, War Veterans and Security Services, says police are sometimes outmanned. With the limited resources, they are trying. Um, our crime rate can't compare with South Africa. We are still uh, better off in Africa. So I think our, our police are, are trying their best, although you have some people who always uh, blame them that... Uh, they are heavy-handed. All what we want is a community that we want to have peace in, the, in this country. Obed Muzembe, a criminologist at Muzembe Law Chambers, says Zimbabwe's moribund economy and persistently high inflation are pushing many people toward crime so they can survive. And then secondly, you are looking at the social fabric. You know, we have had a lot of migrations, people moving to South Africa, moving to the United Kingdom. It has created a society without parents. And as a result, young people are growing up without guidance and without mentorship, and they are bound to indulge in illegal activities. Muzembe recommends that the government find a way to improve the economy and that the religious institutions and civic society do more to teach people good morals. 
Kolamba zimafungam. Viewer News Harare. And today in Harare, Harare Magistrate Vongai Guriro postponed to 26 February 2024 a judgment in which former Harare East lawmaker Tendai Biti is accused of verbally assaulting and threatening Mrs. Tatiane Aleshina at the Harare Magistrate Court on November 30, 2020. Biti's lawyer Alec Muchadehama has this to say on what transpired in court today. Mr. Tenebit is facing allegations of assault. So he has been through a trial which has taken quite a long time, almost four years. So today the matter was scheduled for judgment. But uh, unfortunately, the judgment was not read because we got the, re the record late and filed our submissions late. So understandably, the court was not yet ready with his judgment. As a result, the matter has been postponed to 26 February 2023 for 2024 for judgment. So nothing much has happened today. He's alleged to have assaulted uh, a person called Tatiana Alishina uh, outside court number 17 on the 5th of November 2020. But that was the, what was the subject of the trial. The circumstances were that uh, it is alleged as Mr. Bito was coming out of court, he then had a verbal altercation with the complainant, and that is where the assault is alleged to have emanated. Not that there was anything physical, but that uh, he simply pointed at her and used some words. That is where they allege the assault emanated from. That was Tendai Beatty's lawyer Alec Mushadehama in Harare. Meanwhile, in another case before the courts in Harare, former Zengeza West lawmaker Job Sikala was fined US $500 and slept with a wholly suspended nine months in prison term for communicating falsehoods prejudicial to the state. But his defense lawyer Harrison Como says they are not welcoming both judgment and sentence. We are just coming out of court for the sentencing of Jobs Kalagina matter of contravening section 31, subsection 1, paragraph 3 of the criminal law codification. Basically, a law criminalizing publication of falsehoods, a law that was nullified by the Constitutional Court, the highest court on the land uh, in 2014. Uh, that notwithstanding, the market has proceeded to pronounce a sentence, and Jobs Kala has, pro has uh, been sentenced as follows nine months imprisonment wholly suspended for five years on condition that he doesn't commit a similar offense within the specified period. Further to that, he has been ordered to pay a US dollar fine, $500, failing which he shall spend an effective period of two months in prison. Um, and he has been ordered to pay that on the 4th of March 2024. Sure case like uh, the sun will rise tomorrow, <laughs> 10 o'clock, the High Court shall decide with our appeal. We have instructions to file an appeal as, an, uh, as a, a, a registration of our displeasure or claim to displeasure of this judgment. We disagree with it. It has no foundation at law. It is not sound. This law no longer exists. And it is wrong for a court to convict someone with a law that, no, that is no longer existing. The effect of a striking of an order, I mean of a section, by the highest court on the land, the constitutional court, means that law is dead. How does it resuscitate? No way. Cut. Yes, there are two cases that are outstanding. The one is for disordered conduct in a public place, which is coming on the 16th tomorrow for, for judgment. And then we have another one coming in for, for, for judgment again on the 29th of February. 
So we have two outstanding cases here. But uh, we, as you are aware, there was another conviction uh, regarding uh, incitement to commit public violence, which we've already appealed against. And this one, again, we're going to appeal. So by tomorrow, there will be two pending appeals in the High Court regarding Mr. Sikala and two outstanding judgments in this court, the Magistrates' Court. That there was Job Sikala's lawyer, Harrison Nkomo, in Harare. And the nightmare of the October 7th attacks by Hamas gunmen and the war that followed them is far from over for Eritrean refugees in southern Israel. With no Israeli IDs and limited access to benefits, the refugees twice displaced are struggling to rebuild their lives as the war in nearby Gaza shows no sign of ending. VOA Celia Mendoza reports from the southern Israeli port city of Ashkelon. Teke Weldehaimanad fled turmoil in his homeland in Eritrea in 2010, only to become displaced yet again last October when his home here in Ashkelon was among those hit by a shower of rockets fired by Palestinian militants in nearby Gaza. I was inside the house. I got hurt here and there, a little bit everywhere. Wilde Haimanat considers himself lucky that his injuries were not serious. His wife and three sons were at a nearby shelter. But he says things have never been the same. I feel it's very hard. What can I tell you? I feel the fear in my body, internal fear. I don't feel like going to work. One day I work, one day I don't. I feel the fear inside me. I would like to go to a doctor, but I do not have health insurance. The UN Refugee Agency says more than 30,000 refugees from Africa are living in Israel. The agency says the Hamas attack on October 7 and the war that's follow has forced 1,200 of them to leave their homes. This has been uh, a real uh, re-traumatizing uh, incident. Not, not only that, uh, some refugees members were killed. Um, we have two Eritrean refugees were killed by, by, by the attack of October 7th, and one refugee from Darfur uh, that was killed in, in his drought. So it, it has been a very difficult. That is especially true for parents like Teke Jemane, also from Eritrea. It was really hard for me. I grew up in a war, in a country at war. I came to a country that was more organized. I thought that was the case. Now you understand. I don't want the war. It is like I haven't changed anything. I don't want my children to grow up the same way in a war. And also without access to the type of government aid that is normally available to Israelis, he says. Like many other refugees, he does not have an Israeli identification document. The evacuation um, system in Israel, unfortunately, is uh, related to, to Israeli ID. But the, the vast majority of, of refugees do not have this ID. So it was hard for them to access this service that was provided by the government to evacuate everyone who have been uh, living in, 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 in those areas. BOA received no reply to his request for comment from Israeli government officials. The state of Israel was founded as a homeland for the Jewish people, and it recognizes only a limited number of non-Jewish Eritreans as asylum seekers. 
The rest, it sees as economic migrants living illegally on its territory. The government does not issue IDs to the migrants that would entitle them to many public benefits, such as medical care and emergency housing. For some, like Megastab Jerry Hewitt, who came from Eritrea, this means living as though they were invisible. We didn't receive a grant from the state. It hurts. We feel like we're like rags here. Jerry Hewitt worries about the future of his children who speak Hebrew and feel like they are Israelis, so much that they dream of serving in the Israeli armed forces. I have four children. The 10-year-old and the 8-year-old told me we will be in the Golani Brigade. We will be paratroopers. They want to fight here in Israel, but they don't know they are not Israelis. And still, after months of war, these parents are grateful to be able to come back to this, the only home their children have ever known. Celia Mendoza, VOA News, Ashkelon, Israel. Please stay tuned as we'll take a brief break and stay with us. In times of change, when the world seems uncertain, and what we hear doesn't reflect what we see, we seek the truth. When we are told only part of the story, we lose trust. In moments of crisis, our dreams, hopes, and wishes for a better tomorrow depends on a free press. At Voice of America, we bring you the stories that people take risks to see. We connect the world and unite it with truth. At Voice of America, we show you the whole picture. For those that have just joined us, please note that we are streaming live on all our Facebook pages, VOA Shona, VOA Studio 7, and VOA Ndebele. And we're also live on YouTube at VOA Zimbabwe. Today we're discussing about some business projects that some Zimbabwean women are embarking on to help empower other women and also improve the communities they live. To discuss this issue, we are joined by Dr. Rebecca Makai, the Director of Immigrant Women Coalition, Maitha Fox, an author and wellness coach, and Eva Nice Monando of the Female Students Network Trust. Welcome to the program, ladies. Thank you, Marvela. Hello. Yes, hello. How are you? I'm fine. Good. How are you? Good, good, good. Uh, so I'll start off with you, uh, Dr. Rebecca Makai. We used to speak to you. You were Pastor Makai, but now you are Dr. Makai. What changed? Uh, thank you so much, Marvela, for the opportunity. Uh, and to all the uh, audience, I am excited. What changed is the desire to do more, to want to learn more. So I had to raise uh, it and go back to school until I achieved uh, what I wanted to achieve. Now I'm called Dr. Rebecca Makai. 
Mm -hmm. So is it possible for other women listening out there to just say, okay, I'm going to, you know, put everything away and go back to school? How important is that for women? I would say it is very, very important for women to consider going back to school because we need uh, education as women, no matter uh, what we are going through. I understand we have a lot of challenges uh, as women. We take care of families. Uh, we have um, a lot of things that we have to do, but it is very important for a woman to be educated, uh, especially in our countries especially here in Africa or wherever you go, you know women have been part and parcel of a lot of things. But now without education, we tend to find a lot of uh, hindrances along the way. But going to school, uh, to school will help us to be empowered to face uh, challenges with knowledge and understanding, to be able to access funding and to help against discrimination when we stand where other men are and to transform the lives of our children and our society. Thank you there, Dr. Makai. I now come to you, uh, Eva Nice Monando of the Female Student Network uh, Trust there in Zimbabwe. How are you today? I'm fine. I'm fine, uh, marvelous. How are you? I'm good. Uh, we, you know, you've heard they were speaking uh, to Dr. Makai, who's saying it's very important uh, for women especially, and you yourself are heading a female student network trust. What do you tell the young girls about the importance of staying in school so that they have a better future? Yeah, it's very important. I would want to concur with Dr. Makai. Why? Because, uh, you know, the generation of today is the generation of the past. We've been uh, like uh, underprivileged to go to school and to develop ourselves. We had a lot of skills that we had previously, but I think we are lacking the platform and also the opportunity to unlock those uh, skills and, uh, and abilities that we have. So for female students to stay, to stay in school, it's also a kind of uh, empowerment because you'll be able to do things on yourself and be able to self-depend and also not be vulnerable in terms of uh, the abuses that might happen. Because if someone is, uh, if, if, if a woman is educated, I think there's a lot that is, uh, that is also going to change in terms of transforming lives of other women. And also, these female students are young women, and they're going to become older women. And also, women are going to be responsible in transforming our communities. So they want to be it's power with these men because if they don't acquire the skills, the requisite skills that are, are needed for them to 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 to, to participate in uh, community development and national development, it won't be fair. Mm -hmm. So we are encouraging them that uh, it's important to become educated and to have education as a priority because that's the key to all uh, the obstacles and uh, vulnerabilities that they might be exposed to. So that's why we are encouraging them that you really need to work hard in those who are also doing life skills, the, the manual work, they should do it, you know, with the expertise so that they also the job market even at the moment mm -hmm. also facing or uh, also demanding such as such skills. Tinona shakare kuti sanganorenyura kujigizana ene zimwe nyika musadak 
e, tukona murukuita zhirongwa shakasia na siya na shukuyeza kutimbaskana ni mazimaiva wani kwe vachijikizana. Munga tita urokuti shakamira saipanya iwe. Ya hii ya kakosha mazima. Tumekuti takaona kuti e, tikangura mbataka chichita basari ni Zimbabwe chitu. Nyaya zeli zewana skana kana kuti e, mazimaiva chibiki. Zaka ngufama nana e, maringeti chitari samusaji kumungo mwadumika zakati kumbiriza kino jizana endi matambu jizwa kino sangana nao haka nguda kufwana na asiza hiki zimenikao zimene zaapambeni maringeni kubini nekusimu zira wanasikana yao saka kana kishua sangani sazwe kana kushanda nao zimenika zirimisadi kitulikisa kutu wanawezi awa umuno mzimbabu wezi zara zimuno mzimbabu wadzizeo kutu zimenika waka wano jifani sasi uyeze kichukopao kutikishu wachike pa wachika ipapu kana kishansa Nye <laughs> Wapanikukunjwa <laughs> Thank you so much there. We now switch over to Canada where we have Metha Fox who is an author and wellness coach. Welcome to the program. Thank you, my love. Thank you for the invitation. I really appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about some of the work that you have been doing to empower especially women and young girls. Yes, uh, and that's uh, a topic uh, in my heart. So the ways I've been empowering women and girls mostly is in the wellness. So I'm really big on helping women improve their, like their mental health, physical health, and their financial health. So one of the bigger problems I've realized is women mostly who are stuck. Uh, most of these women, their husbands have left them. Some of the uh, women, the husbands are still with them, but they're mistreating them like they're in a mess. So I provide a tool just to, to help them to get out of that situation. And one of the financial wellness I have started, um, I started um, uh, an uh, employment foreign worker in uh, agency. So the goal is to help those women come to Canada so that they can have a fresh start, mm -hmm. be able to raise money to take care of their children. And the other one I'm really uh, passionate that started this whole journey was the physical health. I struggled with fibroids for a long time, and I did not know. So I empower women to know about fibroids. My journey, what happened, and how I've overcome that problem. So I do that through my book, 
Uh, it's called From Pain to Victory, where I share my story and the recipes I've created that can help with that situation. Kana una employment agency muno mkanada. Autori marie munu. Kutinduba kukubatsira. What we do. Tunotuaga ma companies are kuda kuhaya vanuvari outside. For a company, inengene ma requirements ayikuda. Our job is just to connect the employee and the employer. So atibate marizevanu. And my employers kuno Canada is very strict. If you do anything funny, you, you you lose your license or whatever, your privileges. So with Canada, when we find an employer, let's say Arukudam Healthcare. Mm-hmm. So I go into my network and say, hey, this company wants healthcare workers. These are the requirements. So we do the priest training. Once I start the priest training, then we can hand over to the company and say, these are our candidates we have pre-qualified. Mm-hmm. So if they meet the requirements, the company running around in my immigration officers or immigration process, you know, so it, it will be out of our hands. As an agency, we only get paid with the company when they've hired a successful candidate. So mm-hmm. there's no fear of people losing their money. And when they come, it's a solid contract that says this is an offer for employment from this company. Thank you so much there. I'm sure you will be getting a lot of inquiries. Uh, but let me go over to you, Dr. Makai. Your last word, what are your plans this year? Thank you, Marvelous. Uh, this year, our... Plan is to continue to educate immigrant women who are coming to the United States of America uh, to understand how to navigate the system in the United States of America so that it will benefit them to go back to school, how they can access funding. Uh, we have lawyers who are helping them to process their immigration papers for free. Uh, we have lawyers who can actually help you how to um, bring your family. Uh, these are lawyers that can help you for free. So we are educating women how they can navigate, take advantage of the systems that are in the United States of America mm-hmm. that can help them to be able to help people back home themselves first, and then they can help the other women back home. Thank you. How do people find you? We are found on um, www.immigrantwomencoalitionusa uh, or you can get hold of me on 651-440-8737 or you can go to our website, uh, Immigrant Women Coalition USA. Thank you very much. Uh, back to you, uh, Ms. Eva Nice Monondo. Uh, how can people find your organization and your last word? Thank you very much. Uh, I think we've done a lot of sensitization of raising with regard to gender-based violence this mm-hmm. year and going forward. 
we are now on prevention mechanisms because we just think we've done enough uh, lot of advocates, but now let's prevent gender-based violence in our social institutions. Thank uh, you. These students with, uh, you know, uh, boldness, uh, courage, so that they're able to, to prevent. Thank you. Thank you so yeah. much. And uh, Ms. Fox, where can people find you if they want to hear more about what you're offering? Oh, okay. Uh, but in the meantime, my website is uh, under construction, so I cannot give that information yet. But they can find me on Facebook. Uh, send me a messenger, like um, the name will be Meta Fox. So it's M-A-T-H-E-R, and the last name is Fox. Thank you so, so much, uh, ladies. Uh, it was a pleasure having you. And hopefully we can have a synergy uh, between uh, you three ladies working together uh, to provide these uh, services to Zimbabwean women. So we had there Eva Nice Monando uh, from Zimbabwe. We also had uh, Dr. Rebecca Makai from here in the United States and Meta Fox from Canada. So we had a very high-powered uh, team here with us. And that brings us to the end of our show. Signing off in Washington, I'm Marvelous Mklanganyahuye. Yeah.